Hello, and welcome to the Modern Romantic Podcast, where we celebrate romanticism through art, storytelling, nature, music, poetry, creating, and improv improvisation, and passionate people doing some incredible things. Uh, hello, I am not lazy, I'm just in vacation mode, and today I am joined by my co-host, uh, Raspberry Lemonade, aka right. Emily. All the raspberries in all the lemonade. <laughs> Uh, I do have to say, I actually prefer strawberry lemonade, but I don't mind a nice raspberry lemonade. <laughs> With that said, you're fired. If you're watching them, uh, okay, I am done. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> if you didn't know by now, how dare you? We live stream all of our interviews, uh, and you are cordially invited to join us, interact with our guests every Monday night at 7 p.m. Central Time. Visit twitch.tv forward slash the modern romantic to follow us and subscribe. And don't forget to follow our social media accounts. We also invite you to share us with a friend, a loved one, your grandma. Because again, like I've said many times before, she also needs a friend and we're happy to help keep her company. Um, with that in mind, uh, Emily, would you like to uh, would you like to introduce our guest our honored, esteemed guest of the evening. Absolutely. Um, our guest is no stranger to the podcast, but I will see if I can do this justice. So when you think of the universe, you think of you think of this vast expanse, the unknown. You know, we, we've recently received images from a telescope, right, of that have been the highest quality we've seen ever, and it's fantastic. And so... And it's hard to imagine and actually hold the true concept in your head that what you're seeing is millions of light years away, that that was a reality from actually a long time ago. And um, so I would like to introduce the queen of all of that universe, Laura Packer. <laughs> wow, I've, I've, I've gotten a promotion. Thank you so much. <laughs> Um, you are the embodiment of the title "Everything, Everywhere, All at Once." Wow! Well, thank you both so much. No pressure. I'm going to go lie down now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's lovely to see you both. So good to have you back. Thank you yeah. for coming. I'm really glad to be here. And you know, you were talking about raspberry lemonade or strawberry lemonade. I recently made a rhubarb shrub, which might beat lemonade. So you cook, you have rhubarb and you cook it down. Um, hey, uh, hey, Josh, it's good to see you. Um, you might cook it down, you cook it down with sugar and vinegar. And so the vinegar gives it that sort of tart piquancy and the rhubarb gives it this really nice mouthiness and it's just sweet enough. You mix it with water and oh my goodness, it's wonderful. And I made mixed berry shrub and all kinds of shrubs. I'm 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 apparently into shrubbery now. So bring me a shrubbery. What can I say? Bring me a shrubbery. I like this. I if is there some kind of recipe that you follow? I used to, and now I chop up some fruit and I dump some sugar on it, and I 
depending, it depends on the fruit. With berries, I mix together the um, berries and sugar and just let it sit in the refrigerator for three or four days. And, you know, a sugar, a, a syrup will extract itself. And then I take that syrup and I add a little vinegar and I taste it and I add a little vinegar and I taste it and I add a little vinegar and I taste it and I add a little vinegar and I say, oh, that's a little bit too much. And that's when it's just right. Oh. Um, and with things like rhubarb, with harder fruits, um, with fruits that aren't quite as juicy, you cook them, you let it all simmer together, and then you let it drain. You don't push on it. You just let it sit in a um, cheesecloth lined colander for until it's done draining. And then you have this nice syrupy, tangy stuff that you add to water and it's absolutely delicious. My mouth is watering. Yeah, mine does too. <laughs> um. I found a recipe recently. It is nowhere near as glorious as that sounds. Um, it's, <laughs> I'm sorry, this just pales in comparison, but it's actually really tasty. And now that we're kind of approaching mm -hmm. this heat wave, um, it reminds me of like taking a, a two liter thing of ginger ale, your favorite mm -hmm. ginger ale. You mix it with a can of frozen lemonade and then four cups of fresh strawberries. Let that just simmer together in the fridge. I'd highly recommend in the fridge for, I don't know, overnight-ish. Um, just let all of that strawberryness just kind of, um, I can't even think of the word right now, but do whatever it does in liquid. And you have this strawberry gingerade. Mm. That sounds good. It does. Wow, I love ginger. So shrubs, the first shrub I ever had is actually from an ancient Persian recipe and it's before shrubs were called shrubs and were trendy, they're very trendy now, called sikanjabin. And there, in, for that, you make a simple syrup with sugar and water and you add, again, you add vinegar. So you add something tart. Um, I usually use cider vinegar because I like the taste of that. And you let that cook until it's starting to become syrupy. Um, and the simple sugar ratio is, is one part water to one part sugar and about half as much vinegar as there is water um, when, you, when you first are letting it simmer down. And then you add a handful of mint leaves and you just let it sit and cool down. And you have this incredible, refreshing, minty, tangy syrup that you can add add to water again and it's wonderful i don't know if it's as good as ginger ginger strawberry fuzzy aid but it's really good you should try it see my ha my mouth has not stopped watering just yet so <laughs> yes it, it, it does sound as good we're talking like summer elixirs <laughs> to keep cool and that's uh i i'm on board with it mm-hmm Another, so I, I used to be an herbalist. I have a lot of used to be's. Mm. Um, I trained with an herbalist when I was in my 20s and then decided that I was uh, a little too afraid of, of poisoning someone instead of helping them. Um, but one of the things that she introduced me to is borage. Borage is a beautiful plant with um, kind of paler green, slightly fuzzy leaves and these really <clears throat> lovely blue flowers. And you can make a tea out of borage and it tastes like cucumber, kind of like cucumber. So you can make an iced borage tea. So there's another nice, cool, 
sitting on the veranda while it's hot and sweltering and sipping something to cool yourself down. You know, I'm in a couple of seed swap groups and borage is something that was highly sought after this spring. Mm. And I didn't know what it was. It doesn't have a pleasant sounding name. You Mm -mm. know, it's not like, um, I don't know, a still bee or something that has like a little bit more. No, it's borage, which rhymes yeah. it kind of in a fashion with borax. And so in my head, it's something that is not going to be consumed. <laughs> it's not, it sounds like the unfortunate love child of borax and porridge. Yeah. And, yeah. and neither of those are delightful. I mean, porridge can be good, but... But not mixed with borax. <laughs> so I didn't know what it was. And that's interesting to know. Porridge, porridge. <laughs> and the the other one, which I do have seeds for, did you give me some of these? Or maybe Julie did. Someone else gave me seeds that were for the blue pea. The blue, uh, it's a oh, pea yeah. vine. Yep. That I wasn't guess. me. I'm learning a lot about nature at the moment. Because I've never heard of borage, I've never heard of shrubs, I've never heard of blue pea vines, and I'm looking these up right now, and these are some gorgeous plants. They I'm really sorry. Are. Um, someone on TikTok was actually, and yes, TikTok uh, was uh, talking about how you can take some magnolia flowers and you can pickle them, and Ooh. you have to pickle them just right but they are supposed to be a very refreshing thing to to eat. Huh. That sounds pretty amazing. Yeah. I've I've never had anything like that. Magnolia smells so sweet. It's kind of interesting imagining it as a pickle. Yeah, I have no idea what that would taste like. You know, it sounds it sounds like an ingredient in some magic spell right it sounds like you have to go on a quest for the the magnolia flowers that are pickled just right and put three drops of the juice into the eye of your your beloved and they will be revived or something like that i like that yeah i yeah it does sound like that and trey i think this is good homework for you to uh (laughs) take some of this magnolia what are we calling mm-hmm. it? Magnolia tea. Um, I'm going to come up with a name for it. I'm trying to create like uh, some alliteration kind of name for it or something mm-hmm. something like um, some elixir sort of name for it. We'll come up with a name by the end of the podcast. Okay. But whatever this magnolia mix is. So the, the task, though, is to put it in the eye of your beloved. I'm not... I'm not sure how much Seth is going to enjoy me just like dropping um, bits of pickled magnolia into his eye. I, I think he might contest that just a little bit. Yeah, it's it's pretty acidy. So maybe instead you have to oh. get it, put it into their tea and they have to drink it down or something like that. And yes, violet flower, violet syrup is amazing. One of, one of the folks just posted violet flowers as a syrup, and those are good. And I've also made lilac syrup from fresh, fresh lilacs. Ooh. I wonder if milkweed flower syrup would be I feel like that smells so sweet. I have eaten um, battered and fried milkweed flour. And it's really, it's good. Um, it has a little bit of muskiness to it, the way that, the, that milkweed does. Um, 
but at this point i just kind of want the milkweed flowers to serve to to take care of the butterflies so um yeah yeah up here in minnesota um trey there are the milkweed is in well at least our milkweed is in bloom full bloom it smells amazing (laughs) there's some right outside the window and it smells glorious and uh, we have several monarchs, but if you have read the news recently, the monarchs have been put on the endangered list. Mm. So yeah. I'm we're, I'm very lucky to have them. And uh, I will continue to propagate milkweed on purpose for yeah. them. As will we. And uh, anyone out it... there that wants free milkweed seeds, please send me an email and I will send them to you. Okay, cool. Yeah, um, Emily at themodrom.com. Send me an email. I will make sure you get some of my milkweed seeds as soon as I have more. It'll probably be the fall at this point, but you can plan them for next year. Yes. Um, In answer to the question earlier of what does pickled magnolia taste like, um, according to the almighty Google, Pickled magnolia petals have an incredibly potent spiced gingery flavor, and they can be used in place of straight up pickled ginger or dipped in tempura batter and fried or chopped and tossed through salads in place of a dressing. Wow. That's, I think we have a quest. Mm -hmm. We have a quest. So Akaz mentioned pokeweed salad Mm -hmm. and I, okay. So when I first bought a house in South Carolina, I was new to a lot of the flora of the area. And so I didn't know there were weeds coming up on the side of my house. I had just chopped down and retrimmed a bunch of, um, oh, what are these flowers called? They start with an A and they are bright pink. Azaleas? Yes, thank you. Azaleas. Mm -hmm. And I had a whole bunch of them, tons of them. And on the side of the house, they had taken over. And so I had trimmed them back. There was poison ivy in them. It was fun. And one of the weeds that kept coming up was this weed that I just, it would grow really tall. It grew fast. My neighbors kept telling me I need to make poke salad. And I thought they were saying P-O-L-K, polk salad. So I was like, I don't know what that is. And they were kind of laughing like, oh, yeah, you should eat this polk salad. And you make it with that weed. And I was like, I'm terrified to just try a random weed. So I'm just going to take your word for it. Um, So I just kept trimming it back or cutting it down or pulling it out or, you know, they'd keep coming back. Well, I Googled it finally because I thought, well, maybe it's worth trying. Is she right? I don't know. Now I'm scared. You know, like, (laughs) I don't know if I should trust this. And so I went to look it up because I at least want to know what I'm pulling out of the ground. And it's pokes, it's P-O-K-E-S-A-L-A-T. And people say it like poke salad, but it's poke salad with a T at the end. And when I did some research, that's what I discovered. And that it is, you have to cook it, I guess, because cause is right. Um, if it's poisonous until you boil it for a while. And they eat it like a like greens, I guess. I don't know. I just I did not try it, and I I did identify that the thing on the side of my house though was indeed that weed. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, still, this was actually growing in my backyard. Um, oh yeah, I tore out like most of my backyard was practically a rainforest, and so I had like cut so much of that stuff back, um, thinking that it was just 
me being a neglectful human being and not like clearing out weeds out of my backyard. No, I had poker in my backyard. It'll come back if you give it a chance. It is a very resilient plant. Can confirm. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if it's tasty. I have no input on that whatsoever. (laughs) Somebody ate it at some point. You be careful about cooking it, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kaz said, "Yeah, if I remember correctly, it was pine cones. Um, but you got to pluck them before they fall. Like they got to be green still." The pickled pine cones. That's that's pretty cool. Um, some was it was it the uh, is it Black Forager who just did a thing about making pine cone syrup, and she did that where she took pine cones and cooked them in sugar and everything and water i want to say it was black forager who just recently came out with a video like that i wouldn't be at all surprised she's great Mm -hmm. that's who i was talking go on oh i'm so sorry um but that's who i was saying did the uh the pickled uh magnolia petals uh was black forager oh okay yes Kaz said yes, that's who it was. Hmm. She's kind of amazing. She is. I know that you can make, um, you can pickle spruce tips. You can eat spruce tips. Um, and you can make a tea with them. But you have to make sure you get the right plant or else you'll get really sick. And I don't remember quite which plant it is. But I've had spruce spruce tip jelly when I, <clears throat> when I was traveling in Alaska. Um, and I've had tea as well. And it's really pretty good. Does it have a piney kind of very essence very. to it? Yep, yep. In the right, with the right temperature and the right situation, I think that might be nice. Yeah, yeah. I know that there are alcohols made from pine resins. I'm not sure what they are, though. That's not something I know much about. Yeah, same. Hmm. Okay, so I'm not only thirsty, I'm also very hungry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see a trend here with this conversation. <laughs> it's easy to talk about food. It is. It is. There's a, a cookbook that Josh gave me um, called The Sous Chef, S-I-O-U-X. Mm-hmm. It's all, well, it's not all forged, but it's a lot of Native American food, foods and dishes. And I guess... He has a restaurant in Minneapolis that... Um, yeah, and he just won some big award. I I believe that. It's a really cool book. Or the, the cookbook's a really cool book. And just the, the uh, narrative where he's talking about the history of all of this and how it was foraged and where it was and the history of each ingredient is fascinating. Mm-hmm. There's um, a folktale... Oh, shoot. I don't remember which indigenous group it's from, but it's from a New England indigenous group because I learned it from a New England indigenous teller in which there's a girl who gets lost in the woods in winter. And it's a teaching story because it's all about all the different plants she meets and she asks them for help and they each give her something to eat. So it's it's a teaching story about how to not starve in the woods in winter. Um, because it's, she's being taught each specific thing, but each specific plant, of course, has their own personality and things like that. Um, so that a lot of that knowledge is passed down through the stories we tell, the songs we sing, 
Um, and not, not just, you know, going out for a walk and you're going to teach the young'uns how to do things, but it's passed down through more symbolic forms of folklore as well, which I find endlessly fascinating. What do you mean by more symbolic forms of folklore? So, so you know, there's a, a folk tale in which a girl is, um, her tribe leaves her, her family leaves her. And in some versions of the story that I heard, and again, I'm, I'm citing this from a very old memory. So it's, um, I don't remember which, which tribal group this is from, which bothers me. But in this particular instance, she, um, she's abandoned by her family or, or her family may have been eaten. I don't remember by a monster and she's out in the woods and needs to survive. So she goes to the birch tree and says, birch tree, can you help me? And the birch tree says, eat the little nubs that are on my roots. That way you and I can both survive. And she goes to another plant and says, can you help me? And each of them tell her what to do. But it's presented as a folktale, even though it's highly instructive. So does that does that clarify? Yeah, I, I love that. Yep. If Do you think you know enough to be able to survive? Not anymore. Hmm. When I was in my 20s, I probably could have made it a couple weeks before I ate the wrong thing. Um, <laughs> but not now. Right. If what is because you mentioned um, studying with an herbalist, what is one of the craziest things that or not crazy, but what is one of the items that you've ever ingested that you thought you would never have thought, you know what, this actually is pretty good. Hmm. I have eaten poke. And that was one of them because poke is so poisonous. Um, there, I, I, I used to be prone to, I still get migraines, but nowhere near as bad as they used to be. And there was an herbal concoction that she gave me that smelled like the underarm of some terrible beast. Um, it was horrible, but it was incredibly effective for migraines. And a lot of herbal concoctions smell challenging. Um, that's, I think that that's would a nice that way would, to say it. Yeah, I was I was trying to be both illustrative and and civil. So, um, Josh just asked if Jägermeister counts, and yeah, that that could count. Um, uh, I, I can't answer that any more thoroughly because, frankly, I think Western cuisine is just as wild and and sometimes unsavory as things you might eat as an herbalist or something like that. Not that I don't eat it all and enjoy it, but if you start thinking a lot about what your food is, it becomes a little unsettling sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so was it a concoction for migraines to help a single migraine or to help with them in general? If I drank it every day, she swore that I wouldn't have migraines anymore. Um, but I was not interested in drinking something that smelled that bad every day. Um, in, so I used it as a concoction for single migraines. And if I drank it early enough, which is the case with many migraine pills that you might be given, if you take them early enough, then it actually helps. What I did do is I eat fever few every day. Um, and I want to say I'm not a doctor. Please do not take any of this as medicinal advice. Thank you. Um, yeah. Feverfew is a particular herb that actually really did, does work as a headache preventative, um, but it's kind of rough and stringy and gets caught in your teeth. Um, so, you know, I took that every day for a while and it helped. And then I had eaten up my entire Feverfew plant and I didn't have another. So 
<laughs> so it was fresh fever for you plant that you yes fresh you just pick some of the leaves off and munch them down but i'm certain that there are allergies I, I really want to stress to anyone listening to this please do not do this go to your doctor go to a certified herbalist if you want to or, or a naturopathic doctor the please don't sue me <laughs> <laughs> don't you dare she's the queen of the universe <laughs> Uh, the 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 thing that really helped me for a while um, was actually eucalyptus, and I would get it in a mm -hmm. a, a tea form. Mm -hmm. But after a while, uh, I realized that eucalyptus had a very strong impact on me, because I was working a different retail job at the time, and a customer came up to me, and I must have looked like a koala axe. Because I turned very slowly to them. They asked me a question, and it took me about two seconds to register what they actually said before I responded to them. Wow. So um, I I drank it for maybe like two or three more days after that. It, I mean, it knocked my allergies out, I'm going to tell you that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, my body, my body was just very relaxed. And mm -hmm. yeah, trade the koala. Like the koala. Yeah, yeah. Well, so many of our medicines, all, all of our medicines have some kind of organic origins. It's they're, they're certainly created in labs, but they come from plants. They come from other substances that, that occur naturally. So, mm -hmm. you know, then they're refined and processed and they figure out how to manufacture them without the plant possibly. But it's not a surprise to me that, that herbs work. Yeah. There's a... There's a few that I've tried for various allergy type things. I don't think I've tried eucalyptus specifically, but um, a few things have worked. Maybe not as powerfully or maybe not. I don't know how to say that. I, it, it, But definitely something. Definitely some result. You know, my physician is from Nigeria and he recommends honey for respiratory issues. And so I have, um, for a while I was taking, when I first moved to Minnesota, a spoonful of raw honey every day. Mm -hmm. And I think that really helped keep my allergies at bay because I was already getting the allergens with honey and it really helped clear my lungs. It helped get my body accustomed to what was coming. I've heard of that, to eat local honey. Mm -hmm. I still Plus, have, I'm sorry, go ahead. Plus, it's yummy. That's all. Plus, it's yummy. Yes, I've I yes. Uh, I may still have some local honey, but local to South Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> I think my favorite to get when it comes to that honey is with the honeycomb still inside it. Mm. Um, that way, you can just kind of break it off, just a little piece of it, and just mm -hmm. snack on that in addition to the honey. Just yeah. There's something yeah. about that that is just so tasty. I like chocolate with honeycomb in it too. That's really mm -hmm. good. Chocolate. Chocolate. How can you go wrong? I mean, so yeah. among the many odd things I've tried in my life, I was apprenticed to a beekeeper for a time. Um, and so I had a, a, a lovely relationship with those bees and thinking about raw honey and you're not going to get anything better than when you're, when you're, cutting the honey out of the, off of the hive or cutting the, the combs, the honey can drip down, getting just a little bit of that comb 
and tasting it. And it's from your friends. Your friends made it. Um, and it's just, it's amazing. It's a really wonderful thing. And you can taste all of the regional flowers as well if your palate is, is trained for that. So I wish that I'd become a beekeeper, but I didn't. There's always time. There is, yes. There's still time is what I meant to say. You, you, you could still do that if you wanted to. You are the queen then, of the universe, after all. Well, there we go. Now I'm the keeper. <laughs> <laughs> How uh, that I did not know. And which, so you've been an apprentice um, to a to an herbalist. You've been an apprentice to a beekeeper. Um, what and you're a matter. You're the storyteller. What I want to ask specifically is about the beekeeper. How did you not get stung, or did you get stung? Did you get stung? So when I was wearing a lot, there there is protective equipment you can wear. And mm -hmm. when I wore the protective equipment, I was too clumsy. And I would get stung when I was wearing that. And by the time I left the apprenticeship, it wasn't a very long one. It was a three-month apprenticeship. Um, I was working with the, um, you know, just the hat with the, the netting um, and making sure I was wearing long sleeves and my clothing was, my, my pants were tucked into my shoes, but I didn't, I wasn't wearing other equipment. Again, I don't want to necessarily recommend this to anybody. This is what I did. And this is what my, my master taught me to do. Um, but when I did that, I didn't get stung. The only time I got stung when I wasn't wearing all the protective equipment was when I was putting one of the, the, the combs back in one of the, the, frames with the combs and I didn't see a bee there and I crushed her. And so she stung me and, you know, I kind of deserve that. Um, so, but that the, when I wore all the equipment, the bees would, they would follow me. And when I took it off, I would sometimes get stung. But when I didn't, they seemed to be much more willing to say, Oh, it's you. Okay, fine. Go ahead. Huh? Keeping is for was for me at least a, a fairly mystical experience, and I, I went into it that way intentionally. And my master was someone who treated it that way. Um, other beekeepers, I'm sure, have very different experiences, all just as valid or more so. I have heard that bees get to know their keeper, so yeah. they don't see them as a threat. So yeah. that does make sense. There's somebody that's also on TikTok that goes around and her specialty is to remove hives uh, that have built up uh, or been built in like weird locations. Mm -hmm. um, and now she does film her videos without any kind of protection. Like she may wear gloves, but otherwise it's I haven't noticed any like long sleeves or anything like that. I've seen her in blue jeans. I've seen her in dresses. I've seen her in skirts. Just picking things up and taking out the hive and um, treating bees as best she can in that in that predicament. But she's always just so calm mm -hmm. and she never talks about ever getting stung. And I just watch her videos in amazement, like literally how, 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 and it's use, you, you perfectly described it with mystical. Mm -hmm. It is uh, amazing to sit and watch one of her videos. Yeah, bees are, are pretty remarkable animals. I mean, we did use smoke and smoke will calm them down. Um, it's it's kind of, you know, like bee Valium, um, if you use the right amount. Um, 
but it it was it was amazing because the whole point of working with bees for me was to learn how to move slowly to learn how to come up to something that i was afraid of and to to step into that fear um and to communicate i mean it's about communication you 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 indicate to the bees whether or not you're a predator by how you move by the chemicals that your body emits um by what you do when you are close to them. So it's, it's, it was wonderful. I'm really glad I did it. It sounds like quite the experience. I've looked into what? beekeeping out here. Mm-hmm. Um, finding the time might be hard. Uh, That's why I haven't done it. Yeah. yeah. That'd be the only reason, but. Uh, the... That'd be the only reason. <laughs> <laughs> The state of Minnesota has some, and and I believe other states might too. You might have to look for those in our audience. There is a some kind of grant money available to those who would work um, to toward saving the bees on their property, mm-hmm. whether it be putting hives out or taking other measures to uh, help preserve them. And one of the bees in, in that they're trying to save right now is the rust belt, rust belted bee, I believe. And the mm-hmm. Minnesota specifically is mm-hmm. working. So if you are of the inclination to save bees out there, any of you, um, you could check with your state or local um, bee saving, save the bees. <laughs> I don't That's know, but idea. they have grant money out there. So they will help you. Rusty Bumble. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um and that that was one that I was interested in because I thought, well, uh, you know, I'm just interested in saving the bees. It's less about the honey. Yeah. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I, I We have a number of bee boxes on our property, so not hives. But oh. I'm sure you've seen them, those boxes that have little holes in them. So solitary bees can have a place to hang out and go to sleep and be safe. And it's delightful because you hang it up and it first looks like a whole bunch of just little holes. But then as the bees discover it, they, they they seal the holes with mud. And so you know that you have someone asleep in there if there's wow. mud. And it's really cool. It's just amazing. Wow. Yeah. I wondered how those worked, to be honest yeah. with you. Yep. I don't remember what species of bee it is, but um, it's it's really just charming watching them seal themselves up um being near it and they go in and out and in and out and they completely ignore you um which is great uh and knowing that i'm helping the bee population yeah that makes me want to do that i i'd heard of those boxes and i have some materials i'd even thought might work for that to make one Mm -hmm. but i wondered if that was even really something they would use but knowing that maybe it's just a species of bee that yeah, it's one one specific species, but there are, there are um, subspecies of that kind of bee all over the nation. So wherever you are, try it. And you hang it up someplace where it gets warm in the morning, where it faces east. And you at first you think nothing's ever going to happen. And then you look at it and realize that a third of the little tubes are sealed. And hmm. you think, oh, there's a bee asleep in there. I hope they're having good dreams. That's adorable. I love that. Yeah, it's really neat. My favorite thing, uh, speaking of bees asleep, is 
all of those imageries or all of those images that they've taken of bees falling asleep like their butts hanging out of uh flowers i love that i love that it is it is one of the cutest things yeah i'm covered with pollen they're little fuzzy bums mm-hmm. yes. yeah. yep there are some things that I reliably look at when I'm feeling down and actually bee bums is one of the things that I will Google. Um, and there, there are all these sleeping bees. With their little legs. Mm -hmm. That is adorable. Last, was it last year? I think there were a couple of bumblebees that didn't, they were tired. You know, they were just walking on the ground or, you know, they were kind of trying to take off and struggling and, one in particular I picked up with my hands and started carrying it back to the house. And Josh brought out some honey and mm -hmm. we put just a drop of it on my, on my hand. I think we might've even get, tried giving it the spoon of honey first. Either way, it knew immediately what it was and ate it, mm -hmm. ate a oh. bunch of it. Like nom, nom, nom. It was, it loved it. And mm -hmm. it got enough strength to from that to fly away again. Hmm. And that was, really, that was really that was really cool because I wondered if it was true. You know, you hear stories like that that is possible, but I got to experience that firsthand. Yeah, and holding a little bee while it's eating is so cool. That's wonderful. Oh, he said Could we did a droplet me? first, then the spoon. Okay. Yep. Please tell me that you got pictures, please. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe they're on my Instagram, which would be Emily Creamer Art, but I'll verify that quick. Okay. And I, 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 they might even be on TikTok, but I'll, I'll verify that. Go for it. While, uh, while Emily's looking that up, um, I may have mentioned this before, may not have. Um, I did an educational tour of a children's opera here locally. And the last show that I did was called A Busy Bee, where I got to play a bee and we got to learn about bees as we were uh, learning the music of the opera. Um, I've since forgotten a lot of those bee facts and uh, that is unbelievable. Uh, but <laughs> That was beastly. <laughs> that was beastly. Um, but I didn't forget a lot of the bee puns that we made. Mm -hmm. uh, but what a what a cute show that was, um, based on the the children's story. Um, Bella, I cannot think of what the name of it is. Um, it's a kid story about Bella the bee finding a place in her hive, uh, just finding what her what her role in the hive was going to be. Um, bee, <laughs> bee. There's so many bee jokes. Uh, but it was such a cute story and so many kids identified so much with that story in particular and they were hungry to learn about bees and um, the the educational uh, curriculum that we built along with that performance that the kids used inside their schools to learn about bees more was it was it was really inspiring and I think that is honestly my favorite performance to date even though that's the show that also caused me to have the most injuries while I was performing. Were you stung? Did the ch <laughs> children come up and sting you? Uh, no. Um, the long story short is uh, normally we would perform in gymtoriums, which were like, you know, 
Uh, they would be in uh, gymnasiums that also had an attached um, stage and a theater that kids could go and perform on. A very minimal kind of setup. Um, on Saturdays, we would go out and we would do some community engagement shows where we could be in a same sort of gymtorium or like this particular story, we would be in an actual theater. Um, in part of the show, I am double cast both as a bee and as a bird. So Bella happens to find a field of flowers and in the field of flowers happens to meet the bird who gives chase to Bella the bee. And the directions in the in the script are to chase Bella through the field of flowers. And our director made the field of flowers the kids in the audience. Mm. Well, being in a theater, these had actual like stadium seating right. where the seats would come down and you could sit and they'd pop back up. Well, we rehearsed it like you should. Went down the aisle. We rehearsed it with to the music. Things went great. Um, but in live theater... Sometimes you get really in the moment and things happen. Mm -hmm. So Bella actually started egging me on and she'd do like, meh, meh, and just egged me on so bad. And then this girl took off, like catapulted off of that stage down at the audience. And I am keeping pace behind her, like a solid four or five feet behind her. Um, so I'm relatively close going at full sprint. The costumes that we were wearing had a thorax to them. And as Bella the Bee rounded the corner, said thorax bumped into one of the stadium seatings and the seat came down and stayed down. So uh, the bird hit the seat sprawled through the air hit the seat in front of him and just oh. slid down um the parent uh next to me uh in the aisle oh, leaned across hello. and said are you okay <laughs> and it was one of those moments that you just kind of say okay am i gonna ruin the show and you know you know make it about me mm -hmm. and say i i need medical attention or am i well enough to be it's okay um, thankfully I was well enough to be okay, but I was, I did have a nice, like, um, I guess you would call it a conjunction or concussion, <laughs> concussion. Um, I hobbled my way back upstage, got changed back into my B costume. We get changed for the Q and A segment after the show. And when we turned around to ask the audience who would like to ask a question of the audience, it was the parent who asked me, are you okay? Was the first one shot up his hand. He goes, I just, I, I, just for everybody's sake here, I just want to know, are you okay? <laughs> um, so uh, then about two weeks later, I fell yet again. Um, oh. And I landed about six inches away from, a, uh, from about a six-year-old's face. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, their life flashed before their eyes. My life, my life flashed before my eyes. Theirs ended a lot sooner than mine did. <laughs> um, but yeah, after that, I kind of said, mm, "I think, I think this is the last show that I will do." Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm so glad that you've not had noticeable lasting effects, anyway, at least from here. Um, and you know, that's that's the way it is with live theater. There's stuff that happens over and over again and i'm i'm sorry you were injured oh it, it thank you 
it's fine and made a funny story out of it. Uh, my response to that parent was simply talking kids through what it's like to be in live theater. Exactly like mm -hmm. you said, things happen as much as we practice and sometimes life happens. Mm -hmm. um, but just like bees, we eat a little honey, we gain back our strength and then we, uh, and then we uh, get back up and we bumble our butts away. That's great. Uh, Miss yeah, Emily, do you have a question? Yeah. Um, Mr. Trey, I would just like to know if you're okay. <laughs> uh, mentally, physically, spiritually, metaphysically, uh, in what state would you like to know if I'm okay? Yes. <laughs> I love that answer. Uh, <laughs> yes, I am okay. Thank you for asking. I posted the the link to the B video on in the chat. Oh, great! It Good. is on Instagram. From July twenty first, twenty twenty one, I believe is was the date for anybody who just wants to scroll, um, yep. or for our listening audience who can't click a chat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, it was fun watching them eat was like something I had not seen before, which was really cool. Mm. Uh, or watching you know B, sorry. That's, I, I'm sorry for jumping in, no. um, but that's one of the things that I think is really important in the way, for, for the way I move through the world, and I think the way many artists move through the world, and many other people too, but to pay attention to those tiny details. How does a bee eat? Um, uh, why is this, how is this leaf different from that leaf? Paying attention to those tiny details can really make the world bigger make the universe bigger if I'm the queen of the universe for the moment. Um, so that's, that's something that I, I, I love doing and I love encouraging other people to do. And I think that's why herbalism and beekeeping and some of the other things I've wandered into have been so fascinating to me because they are about these minute things that can have enormous impact. Absolutely. If you are ever feeling lost going out into nature and finding a spot to sit and just sit there and be quiet for mm -hmm. 30 minutes or less the world around you comes alive or it seems that way it was already alive it was already there mm -hmm. you came into that world but it was already teeming with life mm -hmm. and when you sit quietly and you just sit there and look around and see it you'll notice things that you didn't notice before and suddenly that little space that you're taking up is gigantic, like you said. Mm -hmm. Many years ago, um, I was in Las Vegas. It's the only time I've ever been to Vegas. And it snowed while I was in Vegas, as an aside. Um, and my, my spouse was at a conference. And so I took our rental car and went driving outside of Vegas because I wanted to see the desert. And I found myself in, I think it's called the Gates of Fire State Park. Hmm. Um, although that, it may be a slightly different name. And I stopped and I hiked and I walked and I saw petroglyphs and all kinds of amazing things. And, and it was just breathtakingly beautiful and very quiet, so quiet. So I, I found myself a spot off of the beaten path and I sat down and I did exactly that. I just sat down, I was still, 
I just watched the, the red rocks against the blue sky. And after about 10 or 15 minutes, there was this explosion of birdsong where the birds and birds flying everywhere as if they they either had forgotten I was there or they decided that I was a big slow predator and I wouldn't be able to get them. And so they may as well come out and go about bird business. But it, it was amazing. It was so quiet and then so loud. Um, it was it was beautiful. It was breathtaking and really underscored to me that that lesson of what happens if you're still it's the same thing with people. If you give people some time and space to just be present with you without having to be anything other than who they are in that moment, they will reveal themselves to you in ways that they might not have otherwise and, and be present with you and, and invite you to reveal yourself too. It's a little silence is medicinal sometimes. Right on. Absolutely. You and I have had those experiences, Emily, when we've gone walking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The fairies in the sunlight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the little country's face. <laughs> what? I don't know about that one. Oh, we were just taking. We were taking. I can't say just. Right. Thank let me you. let me back up. We were taking pictures with our cell phones out in a park in nature, and there were some neat little uh... neat little bits of magic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think you're muted, Trey. Are you? <laughs> I don't you just know if he was it? talking or just nodding. I was doing both, and I was <laughs> muted. <laughs> I will. Ha- I will have to talk to about this more. It's sitting in nature is, I think, for me, probably one of the most difficult things sometimes. But there are moments, especially near water, like lakes pools um i know pool is not nature but hot springs oceans lakes rivers sit me next to a body of water i don't know what happens but that is that is my place mm-hmm. we have a toast to caponis speaking of water i have raspberry <laughs> lemonade <laughs> ginger tea Ooh, oh i like that mug yeah i do too so speaking of water, when I was little, my I had many goals about what I wanted to be when I grew up, but one of them was being a mermaid. I wanted to, to go out and, and have a fishtail, and um, I grew my hair long because mermaids have long hair, and I practiced swimming with my feet together, which I was not very good at, but I was determined to be a mermaid. Um, and that one went away eventually. Paleontology kind of overtook it, but... but when I, when I learned how to dive when I was in my 40s, I called it mermaid lessons. Um, so I was finally becoming a mermaid. Mermaid lessons. Yes. Are you going to be a mermaid, Trey? You should. Join us. One oh. of us. One, one of us. <laughs> one. Uh, yes, please. Mm-hmm. I, I've honestly considered getting one of those silicone tails that they're, that they're selling. Um, there's something that's that's really magical about having something like that. Uh, I've really honestly considered it. That's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Sure. I, I have, have been. No. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go on. 
I was just going to say I have no idea how much they cost, but um, you should do it. Yes, you should. I've been gifted several blankets that are mermaid tail shaped and you can stick your legs in and then you have a tail and, you know, flop it around. That might be a good start to practice, right? Mm-hmm. This is true. Um, oh my god, I don't, now I'm just thinking of the possibilities of that. Yeah. You know, the Finfolk people are out by you, Trey. The Finfolk people? Uh, Finfolk.com is one of the bigger mermaid tail companies out there. Just saying. Oh, cool. Roundabout connection to them. But there are other companies, so I don't want to plug one. I just happen to know about that one because of Orly Anderson, who was the stylist on the Tea Party, Elven Tea Party Hmm. photo shoot. Because mm-hmm. the Finfolk people are her family. Ah, okay. So that's cool. But they're out by you in location. They live in North mm. Carolina, I believe. I'm looking at their um, looking at their material now, and I, they have some they have some incredible tales. Yeah, and probably some pretty good stories too. <laughs> probably, probably. Um, yeah, Finfolk. There, there are others, but you know, and don't let, don't let my mentioning this sway you. But um, wow, that's cool. Yeah, they're pretty amazing. Hmm. And they have more than just tails. Mm-hmm. They have wigs and uh, tail-shaped bags and swimsuits and all kinds of things. Oh, they have leggings. Oh and my! All right. Well, that's that's that's. An economic investment that I might have to make. Something for everyone, really. That's right. I have thought of a use of something I just found. Huzzah. Okay, this Huzzah. is... Huzzah. <laughs> um, Laura, I'll get a set of mermaid leggings if you do. Well, we can both be mermaids. Let's do it. Uh, yeah, let's do it. I found one I this like is... already. Yeah, me too. I found several. All right, we'll talk about that later. Okay, and then we can go for a walk in our leggings. Right. Anyone who wants to join us, uh, please do, yes. And then I will follow along uh, behind just singing that's one specific line from uh, Part of Your World from The Little Mermaid. Um, And it's completely gone out of my brain. (laughs) Dingle Hopper. (laughs) (laughs) Dingle Hoppers. Uh, I don't remember what the line is, but I'll just walk behind you and sing something from The Little Mermaid. That's, you know, that that's, I, I, we might have to talk about that and find some other mermaid related song, maybe some sea shanties, because the original Little Mermaid ends badly for the mermaid. Um, oh. So, mm-hmm. so we might want to find some sea shanties or something. Ah, yes. Okay. Sea shanties it shall be. Okay. Okay. Because otherwise I've got part of your world in my head and that's not going to go away until something else erases it. <laughs> Uh, that's okay. Hey, Action Bastard, that is Francis. Um, he was on our uh, tribute to Caponis, our, the memorial. And um, hello. And that's okay. I'm glad you, you showed up. I'm glad you're here. That's really awesome. Thank you for joining us today. We've got Laura Packer on here tonight. And she is tonight the queen of the universe. And we're chit-chatting. <laughs> we're just talking about whatever comes up. Yes. So we've talked about bees. 
like bumblebees and mermaids and food lots of food yeah i'm sorry you missed the best part the food (laughs) (laughs) oh hello my queen he says francis my subject i'm so glad you're here (laughs) well said well said um yeah laura packer is a storyteller and more Mm -hmm. tell us about what you do laura I do lots of things, um, and they're pretty much all under the umbrella of storytelling, but it's a lot of different things. So I'm a performing artist, and I have been for over 30 years, um, which is a little breathtaking for me to say. Um, So I I tell stories mostly to adults and older kids. I tell personal stories, folktales, original fiction, which is probably my favorite, a lot of magical realism kinds of things. I teach. I help people learn how to tell stories and learn how to find their voice, whether or not they intend to be perform. It's useful to learn how to t- to speak and how to feel confident in what you have to say to the world. I do consulting with both for and nonprofits, mostly mission mission driven for profits, so for profits that actually want to make the world better and not just make a lot of money, and help them think about what their story is and how they're going to talk about it and how they can bring it into the world. Um, I write, I coach, I do a little freelance writing. Um, I do other things related to stories, but mostly I am a performer and coach and consultant. I do keynotes. Um, And I, since I believe that stories are what the world is made of and that we are made of stories, then I, I guess for tonight, I can be the queen of the universe with some authenticity. That's right. Yeah. I'm really happy to be here. We're so happy to have you, Queen of the Universe. That's definitely our uh, highest ranking guest so far. Wow. (laughs) I don't know how we could top this. (laughs) Well, it depends on which universe you're talking about. It could be, you know. You're right. I didn't think about that. Mm -hmm. Marvel released uh, their phase five of of what their next uh, phase is going to look like. And they had released uh, the multiverse saga. Um, and it's just going to be a story about us. We are the multiverse saga. We are. Did you see that meme that's going around that somewhere there are goblins and orcs and fairies and all of those folks who are playing uh, their favorite role-playing games? It's called something like um, uh, Suburbs and Suitcases, where they're, they're role-playing us. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'll have to find that. That's pretty great. Yeah, it's a good one. I had an idea for a D and uh, for a D and D campaign, like a one shot, that takes place completely in a call center. Um, you still have all your races. You still have everything um, all the same. You can still be a barbarian that goes into a rage, um, but all of the like. Uh, initiatives and all the battles would just be phone conversations with uh, with just Karens by the by the threshold. Oh. <laughs> that sounds incredibly frustrating. <laughs> Very much yeah. so. I have a story so, that I go on. I'm sorry. Oh no, go for it. Go for it. I have a story that I used to tell. I haven't told it in years. It would take me a little while to reconstruct it about a diner that was um, uh, the diner for the night people. So it's the diner where 
werewolves and golems and vampires and and fairies and elves because they got to go someplace at night and the tooth fairy would come and get breakfast after a hard night's work and on and on and on and and it was really fun the minotaur was there it was a very fun story and and it wove in some stories from all of these people and what their stories would be and the the big reveal it was about a half an hour story the big reveal at the end was that the chef was elvis um and it was it was a really fun story to tell but i love playing with the ideas of of these magical beings um what 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 do they have to say about their day jobs so it's really pretty fun and it was based on um kaz you say it's your kind of diner it's my kind of diner too it was based on this little tiny diner near where i lived at the time which was about the size of um I don't know, a Cadillac, the diner along. So it was long and kind of wide for a car, but narrow for a diner. And it looked like a, um, a gypsy, a gypsy caravan. Um, it wasn't painted that way, but it, the shape of it was. And I used to go there for breakfast all the time. And there were always very strange people there. Um, I may have been one of them. I'm not sure. But so this diner inspired this story of what happens where do the people who, who have all these jobs around us, the tooth fairy and the sandman and vampires and werewolves and so on, what do they do when they're done being the tooth fairy and the sandman and vampires and werewolves? Don't they want a good cup of coffee? So it was really fun. They want a nice slice of pie and a cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. That's right, exactly. Um, I am mulling over this idea and I need to flesh it out a little bit more, but the general premise is something along that same lines of it's going to be a little morose at first, but hang hang in there with me. What if the embodiment of death changed? Or what if the embodiment of these things that we conceive of, Cupid, life, death, what if they all changed? And they only lasted for a couple hundred years before someone else would take over. Um, my thought is to have um, have the current embodiment of death have been in this position for 2,000 years and be almost tired of his position. Like it's mm -hmm. just kind of lost what it's mean uh, lost what its meaning is. And we join his story as he writes journals. Because after 2,000 years, what do you do when you have lost sight of that? You look inward, and how do you look inward? But you start writing, and you get your thoughts out. And just kind of lear learning about who this person is, um, who they were maybe before they became death. Because what if they were humans before they became this iteration? What if... Mm -hmm. Just kind of exploring that idea. But need to flesh it out a little bit more, but... Just, you know, little podlings that have just been milling up in my brain. I love that. I have another story, again, one that I haven't told in many years, but I could revive it, um, in which death is actually a, um, a, a bureaucracy and there are many deaths. And there's one death who is, and it's it's like a call center. It starts out like it's, a, it's almost a call center. You get an assignment and you have to go do it. Um, and there's a death who is sent by his boss and he doesn't really like his boss 
um, to go take this woman. And what deaths always do before they take someone is they spend about a week watching them live because mm -hmm. the deaths are the ones who remember the stories of the living. And so the dead become the storytellers, the, de the deaths, the deaths become the storytellers. Um, and he falls in love with the woman he's watching and it becomes the question of what does he do next? And it, it actually changes quite dramatically from telling to telling because it depends on what the audience needs and what the audience is calling for. Um, but it's, uh, and it, it, at the, it is also revealed that his boss was in a similar situation and made a choice. And it's about what choice would death make? And I know the idea of death falling in love has been done to death, as it were, but, but this is a fun story to tell. Francis mentioned a campaign that's um, done, that's, that's around um, daylight savings time and the, th the, th the thieves of time. That sounds really cool. Yeah, time time bandits where only where two hours of the day are stolen and the group is on a quest to get them back. It usually mm -hmm. ends with only getting back one hour. Hmm. Mm. That sounds really neat. Mm -hmm. You know, you mentioned keeping a journal after like two did you say two thousand years or two hundred years? Two thousand years. Yeah, that's really a long time to live. And because we don't live that long, that feels like like kind of an eternity and while we as whoops i moved my camera um while we as at least americans tend to push toward living longer i think about like when you think about some of these vampire movies or some of the movies where people live a long time like that they're immortal and you think about like i don't know if you're familiar with anne rice's Mm -hmm. uh, vampire books but like at some point they d do kind of get tired and and it's kind of discussed but I, I feel like 2,000 years like my thoughts on wanting to live longer are because I want to be able to go do all the things I want to learn all the lessons I want to be this person in my head that I am not yet like mm -hmm. I, I, I want to grow into that and while I have a lot in my life grown to where I am now, I still feel like I have a lot left to go. And the idea that I could be immortal kind of, mm, if I knew I was immortal, maybe I wouldn't push for that quite the same way I am now. My motivation might change. My, at some point, do you learn all the lessons? I have questions. <laughs> And Trey, since you're immortal, can you answer some of them for me? <laughs> yes, I'd be, I would absolutely be happy to. Uh, you see, the answer to immortality is 42. Oh. Um, oh. And you take the uh, the pickled, uh, you take the pickled uh, magnolia petals, you crush them up, you wait for them to get a little dried, and then you just kind of crush them up. You mix them in with just a little hint of extra ginger to them. Um, you sprinkle that on top of some raspberry lemonade and you sip on that for three days straight. It must be three days straight. Um, otherwise, doesn't work. That's a good answer. I like that answer. Thank yeah. Thank you. Yep. Also, the secret of, immort the secret of Sorry, immortality. Sorry. Yes. It's okay. Go ahead. So, 42, we know. Also, mm -hmm. Kaz said, 
and and I'm going to try to let this sink in. I feel so boring. I wish I could be worldly creative. Uh, I feel like that is so far from true um, because, well, you said wordly creative. So now I, mean, I said it worldly, so maybe I'm saying it wrong. But I believe <laughs> that you are creative. Um, and I think Francis is right. Mm-hmm. Sorry. If it's, if it's any... If this is useful, cause I feel like I'm, I, I know a lot about stories, but I often feel like, wow, I'm really boring compared to all the people I spend time with. Um, I, I think we all, we all hit those places and we all take our own magic for granted because it's ours. So it's, you know, it's, it's, yeah, whatever. It's what I do. Um, that's something I wonder about immortality. Would we learn, would we take more things for granted? Would we take fewer things for granted about ourselves? Um, but it's easy to take our own magic for granted. And I am absolutely certain that you have plenty of magic. And it just, it's a comparison. Comparison is murderous. It's self-murder. So uh, Josh commented that you make leather horse armor. And I think, oh my goodness, that's amazing i could never do anything like that so you have your gifts too be kind to yourself yeah and that's my box i'll get off it now you be nice to cause <laughs> <laughs> and i think sips are a requirement because you have one glass that you have to make last three days and if you can make it last three days while sipping continually that's how you get to be immortal because oh my goodness would that be boring after a while and annoying um strangely enough uh seth and i were sitting there talking uh, talking about beings that are immortal we were sitting there talking about what our artistic tastes were and he very much likes more the modern um more like um not industrial but that mix of like steel with wood and that very more modern aesthetic to things and I threw out a term to him of Art Nouveau. And he started looking at pictures of things and he goes, this this kind of seems quite opulent. And I said, yeah, my, my general aesthetic, if I could build a house of my own would be, what would it be like to walk into the court of the Fae? And that is what I would want my house to look like. Mm-hmm. Ooh. I have been in a house like that. Um, uh, there is a, a place called the Cloud Club, which some of you may have heard of, in Boston. And I used to live in Boston. Um, and the Cloud Club is several brownstones that have been heavily modified. And the doorway, the, are the to get to the path to get into the Cloud Club, the Cloud Club was where um, Amanda Palmer used to live there, which might give you some context. It's this amazing artist commune, and I've performed there a couple of times, which is an enormous honor. Um, I still think, wow, I, I was at the Cloud Club. Um, but there is, excuse me, um, a wisteria that that is has been trained over the arch. And wisteria are quite lovely in and of themselves, but the vines are usually not this thick. But this wisteria is so old and has been trained for so long that its vines are thicker than my arm. Um, And when you step through underneath that arch, you know you are someplace else. Um, 
you go up, you go up these old brownstone steps and push the glass door open and the glass in the door is different colors of stained glass. And you go into this space that's multiple brownstones with the walls knocked out where the bathrooms are um, covered in pieces of found glass, of glass tile that are this big, but the entire bathroom is there. So it's like you are stepping into um, a broken mirror, but in a very beautiful way. So that, in my mind, is where the Fae live, because I'm sure that they, the, the Fae live there. Absolutely sure. But it's not opulent in the way that, that um, Bill Willingham might draw the home of the Fae. It's very Fae who have adapted to living in the city, and they've created the space that they need. And hello, Huckleberry. <laughs> what are you doing, buddy? Sorry, I was listening, I promise. I know, okay. it's okay. You were also showing us one of the Fae. Yes. Yes. And uh, Laura, you mentioned a name um, that I don't quite recognize. Um, I caught the last name Willingham. What was his first name? Bill Willingham is a comic book artist. Um, who He's the one who did Fables and a whole bunch of other stuff that I don't remember. Um, but he he did some beautiful illustrations of the Fae. Charles Vess is another one you might want to look up. Actually, Charles Vess is more who I'm thinking of. Um, so Charles Vess did has done a lot of book illustration and comic books, and his depictions of the Fae have really shaped what they look like in my imagination, particularly the Seely and Unseely courts. A lot of is a lot of the coloration from Charles Vess as I'm looking that up look a lot like the color choices of the of the Art Nouveau. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure he's inspired by it. Oh yes, but it's it's stunning. Um, so for our listeners, please, um, uh, Bill Willingham and Charles Vess, uh, last name for Vess is V E S S. Um, incredible work. And real quick before it gets any further, um, Francis redeemed a toast to Caponis. Ooh. To Caponis. To Caponis. To Caponis. Thank you. For those of you who uh, may not know what that is, it comes up st still sometimes, which I love. Um, Caponis was our moderator and kind of uh, somebody who helped us make the podcast be a podcast mm. and he passed away it's hard to believe uh that he's not still there making uh snarky comments to us in the private chat while the podcast is going on um so and we miss him and uh every podcast from now until forever is dedicated to him you're here yes because mm -hmm. he touched our lives yep to cap and uh, as an extension of that, we're all part of the CAP family, um, which we talked about in the um, memorial for him that we had. So CAP fam. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he was the most uh, supportive, most uh, to, to the point where he would get kind of angry at you if you we're not striving for excellence. Mm -hmm. If you weren't trying to be better, if you weren't pushing still, he would, you know, 
uh, say something to you. <laughs> and it was <laughs> annoying sometimes because uh, he talked to me about my lighting, for instance, on the show, because he was like, you really need to fix that. And I'm like, I, I mean, I know I, I'm working on it. You know, I'm going to make some changes around here. It's, it's just, he was like, no, you really, you really just need to fix the lighting. <laughs> and he's, he wasn't wrong. He wasn't wrong. Uh, but yeah, we miss him anyway. Mm-hmm. Cap, hashtag cap fam. That's right. How lucky to have him, to have had him and to have his memory to keep nagging at you. Um, Cause that's, that's what they do, right? Once they're not here, we hear their voices in our heads and they they keep us going. Yes. And Francis said, Cap gave me a whole new set of great mm-hmm. people. And that is 100% true. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the people we connected, almost, uh, almost 100% of the people we connected on Twitch with, or I said that wrong, but you get it, <laughs> connected with on Twitch was, have, was because of him. He helped us find who to, who, what channel to raid next. He introduced us to people. He was always putting people together and connecting everyone. And it kind of was like his cap fam. um, I don't know if he realized what he was doing, really. But in his passing, we all got to come together, which was incredible. And I don't Mm -hmm. know if I said this before, but on that memorial, we had 161 people show up. Wow. To the online memorial. We had 161 viewers. And that blew me away um i think that would blow cap away so um yeah cap you did good anyway we we can move on (laughs) we can move on from that we need to move on from that because i don't have a kleenex nearby (laughs) okay here you want one i can give you one (laughs) thank you (laughs) thank you for bringing him into the room when my mentor died, um, one of the things that my community, my storytelling community did was we kept some of his um, weird, because uh, they were strange, rituals up. So Brother Blue, who was my storytelling mentor and a, a, a truly amazing human being, when he would open a storytelling night, he would talk about how, um, that's right, Thank you. Thank you, Josh. Um, How breath is sacred because breath is where stories come from. And so he would talk for a while about seeking the muse and say something. And then he would start the evening by going, because that was bringing the sacred breath into the space. And we continued that for several years after his passing as a way to invoke him every time we gathered together as a community. And that really helped because it meant that while we were all grieving him in our different ways, we also could remember um, his gifts without having to, to grieve at the same time as talking about his gifts, um, without having to feel sad, oh, I miss Blue so much. But instead, as a community, when we, then, then he was there and we could just keep going. Um, so I'm really glad that you brought Cap into the room. Thank you. I like that. Yeah. Now, admittedly, Blue gave us a plethora of things to pick from um, that we could use to continue him. But everybody has something that you can you can invoke. Yeah, we'll have to think about that. We did the the 
we did the toast to him because of the memorial. We thought mm-hmm. it was at a low enough channel point redemption to make it easy for people to, anyone who had just joined within a short period of time could redeem it. Um, mm-hmm. I think what we weren't prepared for that night was how many people would, when you have 161 people in a room, <laughs> there are a lot of, we were constantly interrupted by that, but it was wonderful. Uh, I had, I was not frustrated by that at all. Yeah. I, what if, Oh, go ahead, Trey. Um, what if we made, cause there are a couple of clips of his that I think would be kind of funny um, or just uh reverent whenever um someone subscribes to the channel uh, maybe have his voice play oh yeah there are definitely enough clips of him talking we could make that happen mm-hmm. i'll have to figure out how to program that that would be cool and josh mm-hmm. said i need some pickled magnolia ginger tea or something get this lump out of my throat yeah yeah the concoction that i'm deeming the vocal singers guide concoction all-purpose remedy (laughs) is um an eight ounce to 12 ounce glass of warm water um a couple i'd say no more than two to three unless you like spicy and you could go more of red cayenne pepper um one to two tablespoons of red apple cider vinegar um, and as much as you can stand a little bit of lemon some a good coating of honey and you sip on that not for three days, but you sip on that for um, for as much as you can at one time. Um, works great for me for like allergies or when I'm having really bad acid reflux or whenever um, just digestion things. It's a super all-purpose thing, so highly recommend. I use something quite similar, although um, so so you said ginger, cayenne, um, vinegar, and honey. Um, Mm -hmm. and I actually use something quite, when I'm sick, I'll make a broth that has that stuff plus some garlic. Um, and it's, it's delicious. It's actually really tasty. The honey garlic thing might seem a little weird, but it's, it's really good. And I'll sip on that. If I have any dried shiitake mushrooms, I'll throw those in as well and then pull them out. Um, so you get that, that there's kind of earthiness. Um, but it's, it's really, it's a wonderful medicinal draft okay that just sounds good to like have on its own <laughs> it is and here we are back to food yep <laughs> I was about to say. this is how it works yep i guess we need to have josh back on the show too <laughs> actually we should get we should also get um the sous chef guy sean mm. something yeah talk mm. to him that's a great idea. That would be really fun. Yeah. Uh, Sean Sherman. Yeah, Sean Sherman. That's right. That's really cool. So do you have anything coming up, Laura, that we should know, like everybody should know about? Any kind of events? I or? do. Thank you for asking. Um, I have two things that I'm really excited about. One is I'm going to be performing in the Minnesota Fringe Festival. which is an amazing theater festival that happens over two weeks, the first two weeks in August. And I, my show is called Becoming Baba Yaga. Um, 
don't quite know what all of it is yet, but I'm not too worried about that. But it's this, it's weaving together um, a Baba Yaga story and some stories that were told to me when I was a child, because my family is from Russia, um, and some what may or may not be magical realism fictional encounters with someone who may or may not be Baba Yaga, um, and some thoughts about what does it mean to grow into cronehood. What does it mean to grow older and not be the young, beautiful heroine anymore, but to become the witch of the woods? Um, and there's there's some improv and audience interaction pieces in that as well. So you can find out about that at fringefestival.org, um, where you can find the whole schedule. And I'm doing something that I, I I'm just tickled pink by this idea. I I am not a good sleeper. I have not been a good sleeper for most of my life. And stories help me sleep, listening to a story, listening to someone talk. So I'm going to be doing four consecutive shows. Um, so, so yes, Baba Yaga did snatch babies and eat them, you asked. Um, but Baba Yaga also might help you. She was very unpredictable, depended on what how you behave towards her. So she was, yeah, kind of a cannibal, but she also might help you defeat the bad guys. So it's... She's, she's a pretty complicated character, which is what I'm really enjoying about this. Um, so I'm doing this other show that's going to be online. It is four consecutive nights, uh, four, four Sunday nights of bedtime stories for grownups. And not, not um, salacious in any way, but stories that are um, soothing and calming with a little bit of guided meditation in there to try and... To, to sweet dreams, or at least to calming your mind so you are in a better position to get to sleep. And this is an experiment for me. I haven't done this before. I, I made it super cheap because I wanted it to be accessible to anyone who wanted to try it. Um, and it should be fun because coming up with stories that are intentionally healing and relaxing will be will be a nice gift to give people. And those are my two big things. I'm, I am excited, so excited about becoming Baba Yaga. This is something I've wanted to do for decades, but I had to get to be a certain age before I could do something like this. I had to be stepping into that place of cronehood, I felt, before I could tell this story. Um, I'm really excited about the improv audience interaction parts, and I'm excited about helping people sleep. I mean, what a gift to give to people. So those are the two big things that I have coming up, and I'd love it if you could join me there. Yeah, we put the links in the chat for those who are um, interested. And the two links are fringefestival.org and on Eventbrite, you can look up Bedtime Stories for Grownups and find the tickets for that event there. Uh, Laura, for the Eventbrite, for our uh, listening audience, um, would the link for that be on your Facebook page? Um, the link for that is on my Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Laura Packer Storyteller. Um, the event for Fringe, the Fringe Festival will also be there. You can also go to laurapacker.com and go to upcoming events, and the information will be there as well, or will be as of tomorrow morning. Um, so, so you can find it there. Excellent. As well as all the other stuff I'm doing. The other thing I guess that I should tell you about is um, every Monday and Wednesday at 4 p.m. Central Time, I tell a folktale for free live on Facebook. 
Um, and that's just there for anyone who wants them. They're really, they're fun stories from all over the world. Today's story was one from Brittany and, uh, I liked it because I chose it because it's, um, it starts out like a very typical fairy tale, but then the, the love interest who has been left behind while he goes off gallivanting and captured by a water fairy, um, she finds out that he's been captured and she goes and proceeds to rescue him. So it's really fun. A water fairy. Fun. Not to be water. confused with a mermaid. No, 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 no. This is very different from a mermaid. And although, although just as malevolent, I would say. Hmm. Hmm. I, I feel say. like we could. I, I feel like we could be here for a while and then um, dissect malevolence when it comes to mm -hmm. like water spirits and things. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I do want to say is, Laura, thank you so much for being on the show with us tonight. Um, I, when we started talking about drinks and I did not anticipate getting all, getting all the way back up to, to food and have us come full circle. But, uh, I think in essence of like a true storyteller, it always comes back to where you start. Mm -hmm. Um, it is, you are truly the queen of everything, well, everywhere, all at once. Um, do you have any parting quotes that you would like to share with us? podcast listeners i'm thinking yeah no pressure yeah no pressure no 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 it's just there's so many so many things um these are hard times that we are living in no matter where you fall on any measure it's hard we are disconnected we are fragmented but we can change that. We have the power to change that by being kind to ourselves and others and by listening to each other's stories. And it really makes a difference. It is my life's work. So thank you for letting me share that thought. Thank you. Yes, thank you. With that, um, we do also want to say before we end tonight, um, please check out our online store. We've got some incredible merchandise um, on the store. We've just launched a few couple products that we would love you to go check out. Um, I'm sorry, a date with your co-hosts and with Laura Packer are not available, um, but we'll let you know as soon as that is available. Uh, we, are pretty, we now are on uh, pretty much every single podcast outlet available that is out there. We're not gonna dictate how you find us. We just hope that you do. Uh, we have also moved into your house. I did take your upstairs attic and I started converting it into a nice library. I do like to read. I'm sorry. Also, you need more pedophores and you need more cucumber salads. Just saying. But the lemonade, chef's kiss. Beautiful. Um, <laughs> sorry, it's if gone you would... now. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, it's gone. I'm hungry. Eh. Um, I'm a growing fae. What can I say? <laughs> you rhyme. Uh, if you'd like to send us more treats, please email us at sendustreats at themodrom.com. Or if you would like to be a sponsor for the show, uh, please email us at please sponsor us. We love you at themodrom.com. Uh, again, a note thank you to our moderators. This episode, along with every other um, podcast forever and ever and ever, amen, 
is in memory to Capone, um, our moderator, fellow comedian, critic, encourager, and just overall fantastic friend. And uh, Laura, uh, I'm sorry to put you on the spot. Um, story in 20 seconds. Go. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry in as she spun, It's all right. As she spun the yarn, she could feel the texture changing underneath her hands. And she didn't think to look at first because it always, always came out just fine. But when she looked, when she looked, was that gold? Was it silver? Was it useless? Because metal yarn can't be woven into the kind of clothing she wanted to, to wear. And so she hollered out, Rumpelstiltskin, not again. We really need to talk. Brilliant. Oh, yes. <laughs> love it. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I love every second of chatting with you always. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's always a delight. And thank you for being our benevolent ruler. I'll do my best. <laughs> thank you, everybody, for tuning in.